Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Greetings and welcome to Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, and does it have wheels? And bound in a hollow foil-stamped hardback case, and comprised of multiple paper stocks and metallic inks, I am Ash Versus. And this is an extra special bonus uh, podcast because, as you've probably seen now through social media feeds and email blasts and all this sort of thing, but... Games Master The Oral History has just launched on Kickstarter, uh, which is a book that has been penned by Jack Templeton and Dominic Diamond himself, which is being published by Read Only Memory. Um, This is something that we're super, super excited about, because of course we are. Of course we're excited about this, Ash. I'm super excited about this, despite the fact that this is due to come out before we have finished our run on Games Master, meaning technically we are supporting a Kickstarter that will make us redundant for Series 6 and Series 7. You're not uh, yeah. going to need us anymore. You can just read this book. I did think that, but also there's going to be like there's going to be periods of time when we're going to be able to read stuff from Series 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and we'll be like, oh, I wish we could have talked about this on the show. That now explains so much. There'll be people who listen to our podcast and be like, these f***ing idiots, they should have read the book. Essentially, there will come a point where we will be able to find out all the things we said that were wrong, and guess what? You won't need to tell us because we'll have a copy of the book as well. (laughs) Yeah, so we're really excited for this. All the links for this are in the podcast description, but we do now have a bit of a special treat because we sat down with the founder and editor-in-chief of Read Only Memory, Darren Wall and Dominic Diamond to discuss this book, discuss the Kickstarter, how it all came about. And this is the first time that you and I have actually spoken to Dominic on this show, which is something that we've always... I mean, when we first started the show, it was like a a dream's dream of like, oh man, do you think we could ever speak to Dominic Diamond about this? But it was so cool to be able to chat to both of these guys about this project. I think as we've said before, we we knew we were going to talk to Dominic at some point. Uh, I actually asked him if he'd be up for an interview literally minutes after he had said, I'm not going to do any more interviews. And he very graciously agreed to do it sometime down the line. But this is something different and this is something special and... Not only was it a fascinating talk to have, but also I'm very flattered that Darren and Jack and and Dominic wanted to talk to us. And and, I mean, we got a bit of a scoop, or it certainly feels like that, because we got to look at the draft of the Kickstarter page. 
and we just got to dig in deep and find out some information which now we can share with you. Yeah, so uh, this is our interview chat with uh, Dominic Diamond and Darren Wall. Uh, We really hope that you do enjoy this. Uh, Let's dive in. Joining us from Read Only Memory, the team behind such books as Sega Dreamcast, Collected Works, Bitmap Brothers Odyssey, 500 Years Later, An Oral History of Final Fantasy VII, Sega Arcade, Pop-Up History, and more. The founder and editor-in-chief, Darren Wall, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. And the man who hosted Games Master for six of its seven series and is now the author of its oral history, Dominic Diamond. Thank you so much for joining us today. Why does Darren get taught billing? I thought that. <laughs> That's, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) We've got Darren and some guy. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. When Luke sent me the notes, because we've both got a note sheet, Darren's first, but I'm like, well, this is escalating. Because otherwise (laughs) Darren's got to follow you. So, I mean, I come from a wrestling background. That's my day-to-day job is working in professional wrestling. And the rule of the rule of thumb is you you bring out the champion second. You always bring out the champion last. So that was that was my thinking of the introduction. So I'm like the blue tones to your oasis to use. That is exactly it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to just to kind of set up and and, and you know before we dive really into this, what is uh, Games Master: The Oral History? Just kind of give us a bit of an overview of it. Well, it's, it's, it's Darren Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let I'll let him tell you. You would have thought we'd have sorted that out in the past couple of minutes. No, that's going to stick around now. Well, it's an amazing book, actually. And we should the first thing we should say is that the author, the creator of it, is not present here. He's not dead. They just didn't want to come on the show. Uh, Jack Templeton, uh, who is the the kind of author organizer of this, has put together an oral history of a, of thirty voices, which are all interwoven in a in a really kind of beautiful way, kind of roundtable discussion format. And Dominic is our author strip compare of this retelling of the series of Games Master, with all of these voices kind of kind of coming in and leaving, with Dominic holding court in between. So it's a it's a curious mixture of a kind of interview led oral history and a personal biography from Dominic. So I don't think this has ever quite been done before in terms of the way that it's been um, constructed. So it has a documentary feel to it, and it gets super personal with Dominic stuff. We've got archive material from the original team. We've got lots of kind of original ephemera that Dominic's pulled out, lots of great photographs from behind-the-scenes moments. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty definitive. Every series has its own chapter, and it boils right down to having every single challenge laid out uh, every single game review so it's it's exhaustive i think we're weighing in about hundred thousand words at the moment which oh, wow. is like a lot more than we intended <laughs> yeah. so it, it's, it's going to be something like biblical uh, and it's it sort of that's the kind of design style we've taken with it as well it kind of feels very season one season two steampunk almost like a kind of a mixture between a bible and something kind of sci-fi so yeah it's 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 the definitive games master book we hope can, can i also add that the reason jack templeton is not joining us today is i couldn't have handled being the third person to <laughs> 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 that second was bad enough <laughs> wrestling theories be gone <laughs> i was talking to my partner before coming up to do this interview and you know i was saying yeah i'm, I'm a little bit nervous they were saying well you know what you're nervous about and i'm like I'm worried we'll say something stupid and we'll piss Dominic off. And hey, guess what? We did it within the first minute. I'm really proud. Luke, the only way from here is up. 
yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I'll take responsibility for that as well. I suppose the question for you, Dominic, is like, how did the, the book come about? Was it that like Jack approached you? The, the design of this of being that Jack wrote it, but you also are co-writing and sort of being the compare for it. Yeah, this is, this is Jack's baby. Right. And for people who don't know, Jack Templeton is a is a very special fellow. He was, uh, to my knowledge, the first person that ever had a website dedicated to Games Master uh, way back in uh, the mists of time, shortly after I declared on the show that the Internet had no future. Uh, Jack, Jack, Jack proved that it did by having the first ever dedicated website. That's how I first got to know Jack. And um, and over the years, he's kind of become a friend. So yeah, so this this was his baby to tie in with. The, he was getting very excited about the 30th anniversary coming up, and he'd been talking to me and the series producer Johnny Finch about trying to market in some way. And then he he came up with the idea of this book, and then he uh, got in touch with me and said, "Look, you know, would you be interested? You know, we can't really do it, you know, without you. If I want to do it in this style, would you like to do it?" And I thought, yeah, it's good. It's never been done before, like Darren says. I mean, it's the first time the story of the show has been told by pretty much everyone involved from start to finish. And it is a, it's a remarkable story. I mean, for a generation of people in the UK, there were three Channel 4 shows that defined groundbreaking television, The Word, The Big Breakfast, and Games Master. And it's interesting because it's a show that TV executives never really understood. They certainly didn't understand it when they commissioned it. That's how we got away with so much naughtiness. A lot of people feel that it doesn't feature as much whenever there's this this stuff about 90s Britain and 90s TV. It never quite features as much because it's about video games and we know what TV thinks about video games. So I thought it was a really good opportunity to tell the story of a show that probably means more to people who watched it than any other show of that time and whereas they know the show when they have their favorite you know challenges and celebrity appearances and features and everything they really don't know what was going on behind the scenes at the time which is probably 75 percent of games master is what was happening behind the scenes how it came to be you know the stories behind why celebrities came on the sheer madness of what we were getting up to in america when the camera wasn't running, all that 90s craziness. So the more that I started to write my bits, the more I realized that it really was an epic Homerian tale. <laughs> and uh, so it's, uh, yeah, so it's good. I, I, I absolutely loved uh, writing it. I've always been in two minds over the years, as most people know about talking about Games Master. I go through stages when I can't be arsed talking about it. But the more I wrote about this, the more excited I got. And, about the book and the more I kind of realized myself how important the show was to people is the short answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, like when we started doing this podcast, I, you know, I was approaching Ash about doing it. That was kind of like one of my, I wanted to revisit the show anyway. Like I wanted to just like, not like to have a reason to, to rewatch it. And from the start, but I was like, I, I want to do this. I'm going to want to sort of catalog it. But it was actually to learn more about the show as well and sort of how it was made. And I remember saying to Ash, like early doors being like, oh, it'd be great, great if we could like interview people, you know, who worked on the show. And we have done so, you know, we spoke to a few people who did work on it. And that's been the thing I've really enjoyed the most. So like for me as a fan, this is the sort of thing that I'm really excited to read and to dive into because it looks like looking at the the Kickstarter page that you've you've now launched, it just looks like this sort of thing that a, a fan like me would absolutely love to just spend time and dive into. Yeah. And from my perspective as someone that, I mean, I'm a big fan outside of games of things like film history and uh, pop culture history. 
And the one thing that attracts me to a book on a history of a subject more than anything else is the phrase oral history, because mm-hmm. at that point, you're not necessarily dealing with someone's interpretation of facts or, you know, recollections. People are being directly quoted. And I just always feel it makes something come more alive. Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, I mean, and also it's got the word oral in it, which obviously, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's 30 years later. <laughs> yes, is the kind of dirty innuendo open goal that I cannot miss. Um, no, it's interesting because the two things that really appeal to me about this book uh, stylistically are that I remember um, there's a guy called Simon Garfield, I think he was, and he did two books. He did one called The Wrestling and he did one uh, about Radio One. And they were both oral histories uh, with different people's views presented. And I thought that just exactly like you say, Ash, it was just the most fantastically truthful way of hearing about something that you loved. So I loved taking that angle. And then when I realized that it was Darren's company that was involved and I took a look at the books that they had made, that this isn't just a a kind of paperback that you're going to pick up in an airport, that that this is an arty book. This is the kind of thing that is going to be sitting on your coffee table proudly next to your, in my case, Darmid Gavin and Terence Conran's Art of Exterior Garden Design. That sounds genuine. <laughs> no, it is. It, no, it really yeah. is. It's a, it's, it's a proper weighty, arty tome. Yeah. And I think that's good. It's kind of, uh, I like that. It's, it's posh. I like the fact it's posh. That's actually quite a nice leading because we were going to ask uh, Darren how Read Only Memory got involved with this. Yeah, I mean, Jack reached out to me and I think it was it was slightly embryonic at that stage, but the book was written exceptionally quickly. I think, Dominic, am I right? I think you and you and Jack kind of, in about two months, intensively wrote your part yeah. and built it out from the interviews that he'd been collecting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two to three months. It really was one of those uh, scenes that you see in movie montages when the artist is creating something. It's like shirtless with a <laughs> candle and just not stopping. Um, until it's finished with uh, <laughs> Wagner in the background. You know? <laughs> when when Jack reached out, I think there was a lot of question about the approach for it because he'd spoken to a lot of the Hewland uh, team and he'd gathered a huge amount of visual material. But the question was like, how on earth, what, what is a Games Master book? What could it be? And Dominic was on board and his contribution was as yet undefined. I just sent everybody the books we've done and I'm kind of like a frustrated documentarian. I, I too love making of uh, bits of uh, DVDs a little bit more than the films themselves. And I love hearing about how these kind of seemingly perfectly formed things were in the background chaos and, and you know, kind of very human. So I was quite keen that it be a platform for Dominic to to kind of open up about it because I think in the way that everybody spoke, about the show was of incredible reverence and also that maybe it was kind of one of the biggest things that all of them had done in their lives. And I think coming up with sort of the 30th anniversary as well, it was like, well, the chances of it coming back, which I suppose is another kind of conversation, I feel like it couldn't <laughs> exist again now. And I feel like now we understand that it was very much a kind of a, a product and a document of its time. It felt like the right time to look at it. And so I was kind of, I, ne- I kind of needled Jack into sort of saying, would Dominic kind of also treat this as a biography of his formative career as in the 90s? Would he talk about that stuff? And Dominic, you did. You kind of, it was like, not only is it just about the show, but it's also about that time as well. And, and Dominic's kind of a, a very quick ascension to being, you know, um, living at home with his mum and suddenly being on TV. 
it is it is an incredible story so i think getting more than just the talking about the show and everyone actually really kind of opening up was what i really wanted and, and that's what jack delivered and i also really like the fact that darren himself was posh because <laughs> um like our producer for the first series adam wood was posh johnny finch <laughs> The series producer for series three to seven was posh. I always think as a working class lad, it's very important to like, you always want a posh guy flying the plane. When you hear that voice, when you're about to take off, you don't want him to sound like me. So (laughs) I kind of, I like that. There's always been a history of posh people being at the top of the pole with games master stuff. <laughs> I didn't know that that might put you at ease. <laughs> yes, it did. If you were, if you were Cockney, Darren, we'd have been fucked. I'm from Birmingham. I don't know why you think I'm posh. Fake posh is even better. Aspirational posh. That's yeah. the best type. <laughs> I mean, believe it or not, going by my accent, I'm from the West Country but my parents just sent me to kind of a posh school for my first couple of years. Then I just went yeah. straight back to working class. But those first three, four years, they make oh, yeah. the difference with the accent. And oh, now yeah. people people are just like, oh, you posh bastard. And I'm like, my parents are market <laughs> traders. Oh, dude, I've got the same thing. Like, so my, my parents are from Liverpool and I had a Scouse accent when I went. But when I went, no. to, secondary, when I went to secondary school, there was a load of Southerners who did not like my accent. They kicked the shit out of me for it. So I quickly learned to lose it. <laughs> Does it come out? Oh, it, you, when I've had a few drinks, my, my right. yeah, the scouse Same. tone does yeah, the scouse tone does come out of me then. <laughs> And when you talk to other Scousers, I would yes. imagine, because I'm the same with whenever I, we, it was funny in Nova Scotia that my, my kids who were used to me speaking a, a kind of a, a version of Scottish because of being on the radio. And then we had two guys from Aberdeen that moved into the town we lived in, Mahone Bay, and one of them was next door. And I'd literally be talking and then he'd come along, I'd start talking to him and my kids would be like, where has dad gone? Who <laughs> 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 is this, this Ned that's just come in and taken over? I mean, the main reason that I guess me and Luke are here and that we've been doing this entire podcast is, you know, one, lockdown, uh, but also we're big fans of the show. Darren, is it fair to say that you were a fan of the show growing up? Like, was this part of your nascent years? Yes, it was. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was season one and two for me. I was 12 and 13. When it when it kind of happened, it was really weird. I was trying to explain a, a games master to a friend. I live in Spain for background, so I was explaining to my friends about what this book I was working on was, and it's really peculiar because they don't understand the references. And so I was explaining about how I used to read all these games magazines like Amiga Power, Mean Machines, and uh, the the one. And this was like really nascent video game time and. It wasn't as if our parents' generation had like you know, any experience with it. It felt like video games was something that was just going on in my head and in these magazines. And with my, a couple of friends at school, it was so secretive and weird. And there was like imported Japanese games and stuff. And the kind of sense of humor of games journalism was, you know, Charlie Brooker kind of sharpened that and turned it into something we now recognize in popular culture. But it was really sort of clandestine. And then when Games Master appeared, like as this fully formed really eccentric but incredibly confident and polished show on tv one night i remember watching the first episode very vividly it was a really odd almost kind of like drug taking-esque experience i remember switching off the tv and wandering out of the room and just like oh my god it's on tv like they're talking about games i understand in ways i understand julian rignall is there you know it's (laughs) it was it was this really odd 
thing that felt like it was it, when Dominic referred to the idea that people didn't understand games and that's how he got away with things. It felt like the secretive club that was on primetime channel four. It was really odd. So yeah, I was, I was, I felt validated by it. I think I was, and um, and it was, it was it had quite a significant effect on me. I think for me, it was like having a copy of Viz that my parents couldn't actually <laughs> confiscate because you can't confiscate something that's on television. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great way of describing it. I remember when I uh, the first time I ever appeared in Viz um, I was one of the. Uh, I was in the Roger Melly uh, cartoon strip once as well, obviously as myself. And, um, so uh, and I thought that was the ultimate validation for me. It was brilliant. I, I thought that was great because yeah, we were we were very Viz esque. That's a good. That's that's good to know that. Yeah. By this point, uh, everyone listening to this should be able to see the Kickstarter page. We were sent the link as a preview. And I think we've already got enough like uh, swear words to censor for Luke to do. So I'm not going to say the exact words that were exchanged back and forth. I know, sod it. (laughs) Hell, this looks amazing because it really does. And not just the design and the layout, but also the names. Some of the people that you've got contributing to this book, other than the maitre d', the the head cheese, Mr. Dominic Diamond himself. See, Luke, I'm trying to cover up. Thank you. We've got Zig and Zag. <laughs> Both of them. Other books might just have Zig or they might just have Zag. <laughs> we have brought them together. Finally. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at some of the names. Uh, who of the names were the most surprising to you that actually went, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this? Um, I don't know, that's more of a Jack question, eh? Because he's the one that got in touch with them. The only one I was directly in charge of getting in touch with uh, was Robbie Williams, who uh, very kindly agreed to write the foreword. And that was, uh, again, that was a quite amazing uh, little experience for me because obviously Robbie was on the show and I knew that he he really was really competitive. He loved the show. I knew that he loved the fact he won. I'd uh, crossed paths with Robbie at a sorted parties in the 90s and had some great times with them but that was a very long time ago and so Jack was trying to get in touch with him through his agent and wasn't we weren't really getting anywhere and Jack said well listen why don't you write Robbie a note and I'm like oh listen you know he's moved on so much from that stuff I'm on the other side of it. he's not going to really and Jack said well just try it so I wrote him a little note and then a couple of days later I, I'm looking at my emails and there's this email from Rob W and I open it up and it's just this most fantastic note from Robbie Williams to me. And he's like, oh, how you doing? I'm in LA now. I'm really into gardening. Do you like gardening? And it was just like he was in the room. And um, and, and he'd already written the foreword, which just you, you wouldn't have changed the word. It was just so authentic, so funny, so wonderful. And that, that kind of it led to like about a month of correspondence between, because I'm a keen gardener. And it was a month of correspondence between me and Robbie Williams from LA to Calgary in Canada, uh, tips about horse manure and how to grow <laughs> things in your garden. So that was the thing. I, I was incredibly touched um, and humbled by the fact that Robbie Williams agreed to do the forward. So I think that's, you know, I mean, you know, yes, it's great that we got, you know, we got Vic Reeves, we got Zig and Zag, we got Pat Sharp. You know, um, and, um, but Robbie Williams, I think, was just uh, 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 that's amazing. I mean, if you told me that Robbie Williams is in LA and he's really into something, 
gardening would not have even been in my first 50 guesses. <laughs> well, well, it might be, but it would depend what he was growing, I suppose. <laughs> Very but, fair no, point. Well, it's because he's, in, because he's in recovery and he doesn't drink anymore. And what I ah. found, it's, it's amazing that how many people that you meet, especially celebrities who are in recovery, and it is the first thing that they'll tell you. It's really interesting. Um, oh. I remember when I did that that very strange um, extreme celebrity detox for Channel 4 with Jack Osborne and Jilly Goulden up the mountains in Slovenia. And that literally was the first thing that Jack Osborne said to me. All oh, right, you're the Games Master guy. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for three months. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, good, good for you. <laughs> just as a, as a side, just because obviously we've already passed the point in the timeline where the Take That Challenge took place. Something mm. we discovered that I'm not even sure the production team would know is the member of Take That that was controlling Bomberman by the keyboard. It was Gary. Was Ga- Gary was never going to win because when you have five players on Amiga Bomberman, the keyboard player will always have misfiring directions. <laughs> would you pick someone else? <laughs> you, you will move left or right and you'll stop to avoid a bomb blast and then the keyboard will just phantom press left, right, up or down because it's getting so many inputs from all the other joysticks, it can't cope, but it only affects the keyboard player. Okay, now listen, that was some game. Before we go on to the winners, I must have a quick word with Gary. Now listen, Gary, what happened? I mean, for a while I thought there was only four members to take that. Oh, listen, I just don't like the game, you know. (laughs) Now, Robbie, I tip you to win. You know the prize you're getting. What what does it mean to you to win the Games Master Golden Joystick? I just, I can't sum it up in words. (laughs) I'm getting so emotional now. There's so many people that I want to thank, but... Now, most of all, I want to thank my parents. This is for you. I, I like that. I really like that because given that, that uh, Gary was the kind of Machiavellian steering control freak behind the whole band, I like the idea that <laughs> yeah, Games no, Master was the only time he had no control over the product. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Viva la revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you mentioned Vic Reeves. That was actually one of the names that reached out to me because, you know, actually we kind of we passed his episode in the timeline as well. But that is one of my all-time favorite celebrity challenges because, and I think it's you. Um, I think you actually wrote about Dominic in the uh, the Games Master Annual, uh, sort of like the the companion book that like he was terrified of heights. So like him running down the stairs in the gangway, he was like, because he comes down and the first thing he says is, I am terrified. <laughs> yeah, we weren't sure what it was like. It's because he was scared of running down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> towards right. you. yeah he had more difficulty than Donald Trump. Welcome to the show, Victor. A bit, bit shaky steps there. I am there. terrified of coming down the steps of that height. <laughs> Listen, what a pleasure it is to stand in front of such a marvellous array of dials. <laughs> In one small area. <laughs> well, we like, to, we like to put the boat out for our special guest, Vic. Which is your particular dial. Have you got <laughs> I think, um, well, this is a particular favourite of mine. Here. What do you the think? vacuum. Yes. Yeah. What's your, your favourite at a I first glance? I think I'm going for the steam flow. <laughs> the steam flow one. But do you know what? I'll tell you what's interesting, and this is, uh, this is what's great about the book, and Darren alluded to it about the kind of depth that, uh, that I go into, which wasn't, I have to admit, my natural way of writing this book. Um, and Jack uh, kind of pushed me into a direction that basically when I started writing it, it was like set up line, punchline, knob gag, set up line, punchline, knob gag. And Jack basically said, no, Dominic, no one's interested in that. And I was like, oh, f- I had a whole career at the Daily Star as a, as a columnist in that. And he's like, no, he said, Dominic, this has got to go deeper than that. And he kept really pushing me. And Jack was taken out 
all these kind of like puerile, fatuous gags and saying, but what did you feel about this? And, what, and it was a really interesting process and a much more rewarding process for me to actually go through what I felt as a 22-year-old. As a all of a sudden, like Darren says, moving from, you know, staying in the bedroom with their, their brother in the mum's house to suddenly being the presenter of what was the kind of hottest news show on telly at the forefront of a, a, of a genre that was just going from niche to mainstream. And so things like the Vic Reeves challenge, I, I write, and I'm not going to give away the book because um, no one will buy it. But before I did Games Master, I, I was a fledgling stand-up comedian. And uh, there was a lot that I learned just from that bit of filming with Vic Reeves about comedy, about how brave comedy was. The fact he just gets in there and he starts just talking about the dials. And what I realized more than anything and this is something that really served me really well over the years and even you know even in my kind of canadian adventure when which has been mostly in rock radio and even interviewing kind of you know hoary old classic rock legends is let people speak and victories was the first time i went oh my god i just have to hold the microphone to this guy and let him go i just have to surrender control and he will just come up with absolute brilliance and it really really taught me a very valuable lesson which i then proceeded to ignore a lot over the subsequent series of games master <laughs> but um but it's done me good since we've spoken to uh, a couple of people that worked on uh, the show rick henderson and and doug johns have both featured on our show previously and one of the things that both of them talked about particularly in series two uh, and future ones is that like it was a real collaborative nature making games master and like so i'm, I'm assuming like this book is going to be like an excellent snapshot into almost what it was like to make a TV show in the 1990s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that thing now where you're just going to cut out that question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not me asking the question, so from my point of the edit, it's probably staying in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yes, I, I think, yes, yes. Again, I say yes. There's two aspects of the collaborative process of Games Master that I think are the kind of most important things. One which is obvious and one which might surprise people is the first part is just the, the graphics and the music and all that side and how that came together, which has gone in great detail in the book and is absolutely fascinating. And the second part is the evolution and the change of Dominic Diamond in quotation marks that you saw on the screen. So I, for example, do not like season two at all. I find it very difficult to watch because it's not me. Season one is not me. It's nothing like the person I was, okay? Season four is raw, unadulterated me. And I think season four is pretty shit as a result. <laughs> season five and six is you have this, this amazing marriage between the brains of Johnny Finch, the series producer, Richard Wilcox, the senior researcher, and me, whereby like they kind of knew me as a person because we became really good friends. So there's only two times in my life anybody has ever written anything for me because I've always been like really anal about speaking my own words. And one was Johnny Finch because he just knew me inside out and he wrote some great lines for the show. And the other person was Frankie Boyle when I did a, a really terrible comedy show in Scotland. It wasn't Frankie's fault at all. So yeah, I think, it's, I think the book really does show a, a kind of collaborative process that people might, people will be unaware of. And I think that's really interesting. But it's mostly me. But it is mostly <laughs> me. It's mostly me. And, and this is why I was going to be very excited to ask this next question because 
some of the things that we have asked people who've worked on the show, I was like, oh, can you tell us some stories? But it was like working behind the scenes in the show and guarantee everyone was like, oh, there's stories I can't tell. Like there are stories I would love to tell you, but I absolutely cannot share. So are those sorts of stories going to be shared in this book? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Some of them are. Uh, the, the difficulty is, is that the 90s were like, you know, my generation 60s. And the whole thing is, if you remember the 60s, then you didn't live them. Uh, and there, there is honestly that there's great swathes that I have genuinely forgotten because of the life I was living at the time. And so uh, it's been good when, like, Johnny Johnny Fitch will say, and then you did that. And I'll be like, no, I didn't. He's like, you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, And I, oh, I did. Okay, cool. Excellent. So it's good because I've, I've learned a lot of those stories that I did myself. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few. There's, yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people will be uh, excited and titillated about. I think the format's interesting as well because you, you do get people, I mean, there's a great section at the start about, how the uh, titles were made for season one and season two, yeah. which were amazing, like done on early Amigas um, and working with Patrick Moore's face and kind of developing the look of the Games Master. And then next to that, you've got Dominic talking about, you know, suddenly having money for the first time and traveling and later on dealing with partying and meeting celebrities and drugs and rock and roll and all the stuff that comes with that. So it's like this mixture of the kind of geeky production stuff with a biography of, you know, somebody yeah. who's life turned upside down by the show so it's quite unique in that way when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If we look at the uh, the breakdown of the book that's on the Kickstarter, obviously there's tail end chapters doing the introduction and an outro, but you cover each season in its own separate block, which I imagine by what you said will be a split between kind of the production side of things and also Dominic's journey. Mm-hmm. Will you also be covering, I guess, other events that were going on during those seasons timeframe, like uh, Games Master Live, for example, which may be the location of some of the stories that we can't <laughs> actually be told? 
I should say, actually, if the story was too whatever sort of superlative we want to use to be in the book, for whatever reason, there is a Kickstarter reward where Dominic will spend some time with you, spend an hour on Zoom, <laughs> and he can play a game with you, and he can uh, commentate on a game with you and your friends, and he will entertain you, and maybe, maybe he might give forth some of these anecdotes which are unprintable. At least that's what we've heard. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, Darren. There's one thing in particular. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of anecdote, but it's more of a fact that uh, that Jack actually wouldn't let me put in the book. I didn't know this. Oh, did you not know this? Okay, I'll t- I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, or, or 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 maybe Darren, you pay for that reward tier. And then, <laughs> um, but but it was it's a really interesting reason why not um, that I hadn't thought about before. Because you've got to remember that I, these stories are not just me mm. involved in it. And, and I've always, um, I've been quite an open book about the things I did back in the day. And other people are not necessarily as open about them. And you've, you've got to now sometimes, and that was what Jack was very good at, was saying, look, you know, I'm not sure this person wants that brought out. So uh, is that enigmatic enough? Is that teasing enough? Yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> now, Right at this moment in time, uh, at the point where this episode is being released in conjunction with the Kickstarter, we're in the midst of season three, which obviously, Dominic, you're not involved. It's the George Lazenby of Games Master. It's Dexter Fletcher, who's there for one, and then he's done. And I'm just wondering if it's possible for you to tell us how you approach a chapter where you were not directly involved. There is a lot going on behind the scenes for me uh, within the games industry that is relevant. You know what, there's a slightly different spin on why I left at the end of season two from Jane Hewland herself, which was really interesting. And it made me think, hmm, was that part of it as well? So again, without giving too much away, it leads on to what I was doing during series three. And it's also part of my kind of story is while Games Master was going on season three, there was one thing I came very, very so close to pulling off that would have changed my life and my broadcasting career. And it just failed. And mm. I think if that had come about, because it was a big thing, I wouldn't have gone back. And I think the show would have been cancelled at the end of three. And that would have been it. And I also have to say that for me, because uh, I only watched that opening link of series three when they were, you know, pretty shitty to me. Hello, I'm to the all-new thumb-numbing, joystick-thrashing Games Master. Sadly, this poor chap burned himself out on level two. Mm. And then I was like, right, fuck you, I want you to die. The whole show, can kill it with fire. But it's really interesting for me reading what was going on behind the scenes in series three, you realise and that how unfairly Dexter Fletcher has been treated over the years by people. Every, everyone views it, everyone has said, and you, you said it yourself, Ash, you know, George Lazenby, people just think, oh, series three, that was the Dexter series. It wasn't very good. It wasn't because of Dexter. It was, it, I think in some ways it's the best chapter of the book, right? It's an almighty cataclysmic fuck up behind the scenes that Dexter is not responsible for and that affected his ability to do that job. And there's other people who are far more responsible for what a catastrophe that series was. And I feel really so sorry for Dexter and, uh, and kind of what he went through. And it's really, really unfair. And I know I contributed to it as well. I know there's a couple of times in future series where I gleefully stuck the boot into him 
Um, but uh, but now, and I think this really is very much a mature Dominic Diamond's retake of the series, which I think is good because you guys who watched it are all um, vaguely mature adults as well. So yeah, I think series three is a great chapter. That is actually one of the things that we've realized. Like when we were gearing up to get towards series three, we were all of our feedback was like, ah, series three, that's going to be, you know, that's, that's when you're really going to start to struggle with doing this podcast because the episodes are bad. This and the other decks is awful. But actually what me and Asher found by doing it is like, he's not the problem like with 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 series three it's actually pretty good like it's it's all right i've actually really enjoyed watching it and like recapping it It, yeah i would go that far i was was gonna say it's not bad for games world yes that's it yeah yeah it's games world under the games master banner and yeah that's interesting we we contributed to it as well because even when we were doing season one and two and we were talking about the future i remember we both made jokes about season three being on the horizon like the four horsemen of the apocalypse just waiting for us <laughs> to get to it and then when we're watching it and we're going over it 95 percent of the issues we've raised and we're right at the end of series three now it's a case of why did the production team do this yeah. Why yeah. did they do this in the edit suite? Why did they allow both mic feeds to be on at the same time when it means you can't actually hear either person? It's production stuff or directorial yeah. stuff. And Dexter is, I think, just doing the best with what he's got. And I, I, th- I think the book, will, the book will tell you so much that nobody's re- ever spoken about that, that was going on behind the scenes of that. Yeah, I'm really, inter- I'm really interested to read that. I mean, next to speaking to to, uh, to you, Dominic, I think that like the the kind of I guess the white whale for this podcast would be talking to Dexter Fletcher. Spoiler: It's not going to happen. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got Dave Perry. We got Dave Perry. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask because I saw his name listed on the Kickstarter, and my eyebrow did twitch a bit because I'm just like, is that archive or new? Because oh no, he is very much in it. Very much. It's new. It's, it's new. new. Yeah. And again, that that's that's just. Another example of the incredible work that Jack Templeton has done for this book, because I don't think he's going to pick up the phone to me. Um, so, uh, so that's all, Jack. What I can say about Dave Perry's contribution to this book is that I think it is the first time that that story, the Mario meltdown, has been told in such detail by every party, and it's it's really interesting some things that Dave says about it now, which I find really, really touching and really the opposite of the game's animal. And I think in the same way that there's a more gentler, softer, more thoughtful Dominic Diamond in the book, I think there's a more gentler, more thoughtful David Perry in the book. And as a result, I say that that is the moment Games Master genuinely became Shakespearean tragedy with Dave Perry as the hero with the one fatal flaw. And it gets another beautiful, beautiful chapter in the book. It's a really deep, beautiful chapter. I love it. Now, on to you, Dave. Um, now, you have, as you said, on the show, you are the greatest games player in Britain. What happened? What went wrong? Well, I think I've been set up fairly badly here today. Right. And in particular, what reason? I think having a final game where one player owns the game in the machine and one player doesn't isn't in the interests of fair play. Uh-huh. Okay then, so uh, what you're saying, Dave, is the biggest game of this year. You haven't played much. It's not released till next year. I'll play it next year when it's released in this country. Okay, you are a journalist. We can get it on import. Not a journalist. I'm a marketing manager. Right, okay then. And you don't have a book coming out about, you know, games or anything like that? About about beat-em-up. About beat-em-up games. So we're not seeing sour grapes at all here, Dave, is what you're trying to say. No, we're not. We're seeing somebody just saying he's been set up. 
You mentioned the aesthetic of the book earlier, and there's some sample pages on the Kickstarter, and I immediately fell in love with it for a number of reasons, one of which is, yes, it richly evokes season one and season two, the gothic steampunk stuff. One of the things that surprised me on the Kickstarter was that not only are you using, I guess, the Games Master typeface, but you got hold of the original designer and got them to renovate it. Yeah, this is again from Jack, from his research, uh, finding every single person who ever touched anything on on the Games Master, spoke to the original uh, design agency and spoke to the designer who created the typeface. Not only did he recreate and retool the typeface, he's improved it. He's changed a few of the glyphs in it and it just reads a little bit better. So this is like a, a, I suppose you call it a reinvention just for the book. Like super geeks will know the difference, but it just reads more beautifully. So yeah, it's a typable fonts that we've used in the book and we're printing it in a kind of metallic green a little bit like uh, the games master's mechanical surroundings as well so there's lots of little hints you know it, it looks kind of steampunky and fun but if you love the show you'll get why we've made certain design decisions as well yeah because i've got the um the sega mega drive collected works and so like uh, i mean i when we heard that this project was happening both me and ash were like oh that that's really cool that'd be something i'd really like to read when i found out that you were involved as well that was like almost kicked up and that was be like oh now oh wow that's gonna be like <laughs> super because like i can already feel like the hardback cover the huge size bit and everything so like yeah i i'm really really excited to see it like i can see you giggling actually a huge size of it um <laughs> that's good he knows that's when you decided you were going to have darren introduced first luke was overly impressed by the girth of darren's volumes oh yeah i always am <laughs> Perfect. But let's talk about the Kickstarter because this book is looking to be uh, to be you know backed on there by fan support and everything. So talk us through that. Talk us through like the backer levels and everything uh, and what people can get uh, from this Kickstarter. Yeah, well, beyond the book, um, we have well the, the one thing I think the the, the kind of collector's edition is that uh, Dominic's going to be signing books. So the the one above the standards, the kind of level up from that, will arrive courier to you with Dominic's signature in. So I think that's pretty good. The one above that, Dominic will be writing a poem, or it's going to be a limerick, isn't it, Dominic? Yeah, I feel I feel I shouldn't try to cage my untamed poetic beast. I, I'm I'm thinking limerick, but you know I I can work in all manner of stanzas, uh, <laughs> I, you know rhyming couplets, quatrains, whatever you like. But yeah, a poem that will involve you, the buyer, and the show. I will put them together in a poem, so you will be inextricably linked with the show forever, which I guess is everybody dreamed of being a contestant on the show and being part of the show who watched it. And this is just one little way of, of me doing it through verse. And because when people say to me about Games Master, you know, um, ask me, you know, a bit said about it being a show about video games, it wasn't. No. It was a show about words to me. Games Master was a show about words. That's why it was such a success, because it had interesting words. For me, anyway, I thought that's what separated it from the others, because there was other shows that had video games, but we had words and we had language and we had, and that's what humour comes from. That's really pretentious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Even watching it nearly 30 years later, vocabularies are still being expanded. By, by there, there were jokes. There were jokes that we're getting now in our like late thirties to to forties, and it's just like, wow, I can't believe I missed that as a teenager. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't understand some of the humour, and now when I watch it, yeah. I can't believe it was broadcast. That's funny. <laughs> you, you couldn't. I don't think many of those shows could be broadcast now. No. Certainly not in that time. 
was post watershed entertainment at six thirty in the yeah. uh, in the evening. That's what made it feel extra special as well, like staying up late to watch the word. But I was I just got back home from school. But there's <laughs> there's also there's there's also things though that the you know that the the adult dominant diamond with with three kids and two extremely woke militantly feminist daughters that there's just the stuff that I look back on now and, I, and I'm actually quite embarrassed that I said, I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. I love that you have workforces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's my, I mean, it's my curse. <laughs> I, I was going to sort of bring it up then because I, like when you mentioned like, oh, there might have been things I'm slightly embarrassed by. The one thing that jumped to my mind, I was like, yeah, there was that time that Dominic uh, did insinuate that Annabelle Croft was going to use the Games Master Golden Joystick as a dildo. Now, I don't know where you're going to put that, but I'm sure you can have lots and lots of endless hours of fun with I that. It's a... Yeah. Yes, that's right. That was in the very first series. Yeah. Yes, I did do that. Yeah. We cut about five minutes of solid laughter out of that episode because we were trying to discuss it and we just, we couldn't. We, we, we couldn't get through it with a straight face. It was just, it was shocking then. It's still shocking, it's shocking now. Well now. done. But here's, but to be honest, here's my, uh, you know, here's my defense of that. Uh, and I, and I, I genuinely, I genuinely believe this, that, there's only one example I can think of where a female guest did not get the joke. And there's a, there's a difference between if you do... Is that the Smiths? Yes, it is. It's my, uh, yeah, it's my ringtone. It's my wife. Hang on. Hey, love, I'm doing an interview about Games Master. Can I call you back? Because I'm, ta- I'm talking about birds and stuff. You really don't want to hear it. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> you can keep that in right um, so, no seriously keep that in so yes so i think it's it's perfectly acceptable to make a sexual innuendo joke if both um players in that are aware of the joke because in terms of um the power is the same it's not a man exploiting a woman so the likes of zoe ball and wigfield and annabelle croft trust me they knew the joke they were in on the joke i mean zoe ball herself has the best the best innuendo in the history of the show she topped me um and this is on this is on a motorbike uh, do you have a motorbike have you been on a motorbike before um i'm actually terrified of motorbikes but i like it out the back on, okay on a motorbike and um that's enough said <laughs> and so and that was always the case and even when we were doing the filming trips in america and um, with me with talisa soto on the, the set of mortal kombat again you, what you don't see, and I go into this whole, I go into this in so much detail in the book, the whole process of that. You don't see what I'm doing off camera before the cameras roll to talk to these female celebrity guests, to put them at ease, to judge the the atmosphere and whether they're game for a laugh or not, because I would never, ever do it if it wasn't someone that I thought got the There's only one time that I, I felt that did happen, and that was with Natalie and Bruglia, um, who I think just because she is just the sweetest, loveliest, genuinely most innocent person in the world that I think that the, and I didn't talk to her before and because I was so intimidated by how utterly beautiful she was. I couldn't speak. Like I went to meet her and I'm like, no, I shouldn't, I couldn't, I can't do this. So it was very rare that the first time she walks on set is the first time I've spoke to her. So I didn't know if she'd be up for the innuendo and she obviously doesn't get it. Natalie, I want to talk about the pressures of being a sex symbol. Oh, gosh, I don't think of myself as a sex symbol. No, I was talking about me. Oh, sorry. Um, I, was a, I, was a very, I was a very unrehearsed guy, that wasn't that? <laughs> and watching that, I'm talking about her, you know, getting wet during this game, this Mickey Mouse game and everything. And it's just like, oh, Dominic, that's bad. That's really bad. Uh, so, yeah, but apart from that, everybody was willing participants. I do remember, it must have been season two, uh, Josie Lawrence 
was on. Yes. And I remember there was a couple of lines where I could almost see you going for the punchline and she would beat you to it. She was just oh. like, I see where you're going. I'm going to yeah. get there first and make yeah. it filthier. You Listen, that was that was amazing. You were really nervous beforehand. But I was, that was really nervous, but I just had to save those women. Uh, uh, what, you looked quite at ease with a pistol there, Josie. I'm yes, a bit... yes. Well, I can handle certain pistols, I suppose. Oh, OK. All right, well, let's hope you can handle this one, because as the winner tonight, you have won probably the biggest thing Channel 4 has to offer anyone, the Games Master Golden Joystick! It's lovely, isn't it? Yes, that... I'll have to go home and work out where to put it. All right, I'm sure you will. Yep, she's, I mean, she's an absolute utter force of nature. She was absolutely incredible. One of my favourite, favourite guests ever. And uh, yeah, no, she's a, yes, she knew exactly what was going on. You're right, she, she, yeah, she, she topped me, definitely. She was such a teen crush of mine. And just watching oh, those episodes back, girl. I'm just like, yeah, I easily remember why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, she's amazing, amazing. I was watching them back thinking about, thinking about this because like kind of going back and sort of seeing those jokes again as a 41-year-old and sort of thinking, why does this not feel like something that is, you know, like, it, it, it's still, I still understand it and it's still something that works. And I'm like, why is that? And I think it's, like, I don't feel that, Dominic, you ever were using your, your position to, you, you never had the power. I, I feel that you you wanted to entertain and that was so clear. Yeah. You would just you wanted to make people crack up, whether they be watching at home or in the audience or whatever. You weren't you know, you weren't manifesting like a, a powerful position. So it came across sometimes like they, they when they felt really badly. I remember the Mortal Kombat interview particularly. Uh, so what are you doing after what are you doing after this then? Well there's nothing signed yet, but a couple things yeah. in the burner. We'll no, I meant, I meant after this, like, after this tonight. After tonight? Because I'm in town. Oh, yeah? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah? We could do, we could do something if yeah. you wanted, yeah? <laughs> yeah, would you be up for that? Um, sure. One yeah. of those days that is not, you know, those yeah. crack of dawn calls. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. I've scored. And just, uh, it was just confused by what you're saying. <laughs> you know, what you're saying in principle on, in, on the script is sort of like, yeah. A, but actually the humour is in the, your delivery, that you're, you're finding it funny as you deliver the line. So it's, it becomes endearing. I think that it's different when you deal with Americans um, because um, I felt I could always push it a bit further with Americans because they're a more powerful nation. So they have the power. So it's okay for you to have a bit more digs at them. But it's also, uh, it's it's a challenging morally to look back at the amount that I ripped the piss out of the uh, little kid contestants at the time. And that's another interesting thing I don't think that you could do now. As funny as it is, there's this that, that one kid who like just gives monosyllabic answers to my first two questions. And then so my third one is, and is it true you've got a first class honours degree from the University of Oxford in yeah. aeronautical engineering? He goes, no. And I go, oh, must be the other guy. Right? And I think, <laughs> All right. Now, is it true at the tender age of 13, you did social anthropology at Oxford University? No. Must be the next guy. OK, if you'd like to have a little sit down there, Jimmy, we'll get ready to play. What, what you forget is that, um, that that kid's got, like, friends, and, and whereas my role in his life finishes at the end of that interview, I don't like to think too much about, like, did he get the piss ripped out of him afterwards? Did it make his life a misery? Which possibly could have, and that's um, you know that that's a pity. <laughs> you know that's that. I'm not. I don't like the idea of that. 
it's the the Paul Gannon I was, I, incident I was thinking then of because he we interviewed him because he's in the final episode of series one doing the duck hunt challenge and it, it said like he could hear it was either Dominic or Jazz on commentary who kept saying trigger happy like he's being too trigger happy so when he interviewed Aussie the only word he could think of was like I just got trigger happy and, and, <laughs> and Dominic you just look at me and go like yeah you did a bit yeah, Martin. you did a bit. <laughs> There's the Scouse accent. There we go. <laughs> I mean, for me, the instant that I always remember is it was a, I can't remember the game. It, it was a pretty bad Mega Drive game, but all the contestants failed. And you just went down the line and went plank. Scott, plank. Dola, plank. George, you came so very, very close, but ultimately plank. Plank, plank, yeah. plank. plank. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that because that was one of those examples where we had a contestant uh, pull out at the last minute and Dolat, actually, who is in that. You might, there's sometimes if you look at a challenge and go, isn't that strange that that looks like an adult woman playing that challenge? <laughs> that often means that they're part of the production team. So Dolat, <laughs> Dolat was on the production team. She was brilliant. She was so lovely. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I remember that. Plank, 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 three planks. <laughs> Did actually try and track Dolat down and you'd think it would be fairly easy with a name like Dolat. Turns out yeah. it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I could find a bunch of dolats. None of them could have been her. That that sounds like a love song waiting to be written. <laughs> Depends how much longer this lockdown goes on. We'll see. I might get as far as it. We were talking about the the rewards that we can get from this, and you mentioned, you know, that Dominic will do like a, a Zoom call uh, with you on this. But the one that really jumped out to me was uh, the best day ever. Yes, uh, and quote, Dominic will meet you outside season two filming location, Kempton Steam Museum, wearing some form of red jacket. You and Dominic will smoke a cigarette together, just as the crew did during filming, have a tour around the museum, then head for a drink at a nearby pub. Later, you will head to Kempton Park Racecourse, where Dominic will put a £10 bet on a horse with the rudest name. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's like living the dream, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is, um, yeah. And it's also, what I, what I, that, I think that shows my, uh, the unselfish nature of the adult Dominic, because I don't even smoke anymore. So <laughs> if I do that, and I was a heavy, I was two packs a day, so that could start me on the road again. I might die of cancer in two years. That's what I'm, you know... And it will be whoever bought that reward will basically have killed me. So that's quite a story for you to have. And you're going to wear a red jacket. That was more surprising. Yeah. It will probably be my Calgary Cavalry training tracksuit top. Okay, so reinventing what the red jacket means. Yes. Yeah. And you might fly from, from Canada to do this. So. <laughs> this is, yes, this yes. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. I don't even live in the same country. I'll come over to... To Britain, which I which I gather is a bit shit these days. Um, I'll even do that. Uh-oh. Yeah, no comment from me on that one. I'll comment. It is. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hellhole. It's awful living here. But yeah, like I mean, so Kickstarter, it was you know you got your, your goals there and everything. Do you have like stretch goals in mind uh, for for other things you'd like to do with we the book? We might do. Mm. We might do. I don't know how much to say, but we, we have we have costed something very special. Yeah. And if yeah. we reach a certain level of funding, we're going to make a certain thing available. Yeah. I don't want to say too much about it. Okay. We wouldn't put that on the page to begin with, but we have no. got some, some tricks up our sleeve, including yeah. more experiential things with Dominic, and there's going to be a lot more to be re- revealed as the as the days go on in this campaign. So I used to, I mean, I've, I've been doing Kickstarters for eight years now, and I'm nostalgic about early Kickstarter when people used to do these kind of experiential things like, you know, meet the team, go for a drink and things like that. That doesn't really happen anymore. It's just like multi-million dollar tabletop games 
and oh. weird kind of pebble watches and stuff like that. I really like the fact we're going back to this and kind of allowing people to meet, you know, their heroes and kind of do these kind of fun things. So Darren, you are preaching to the converted here, my friends. Like I am, I'm someone who was like, I spent a whole lot of money on tabletop games on Kickstarter and I got sucked in boosters like, oh, it's a Ghostbusters game. I was like, well, you don't really need this sort of funding, but I'll still give you 500 of my English pounds right. because I, I want all of these expansion packs as well. And they won't get pissed in Soho with you. But... No, exactly. They didn't. And what they gave me was a crap game. Right. <laughs> I have to say, just to add to, to what Darren says about this particular reward tier, I, I'm the sticking point in it just now because it is mind-blowing. It is epic. It is beautiful. It is poetic. It is just, it puts a bow on the whole show. It's everything you could possibly dream of. It's something to be to be the person that's instrumental. It's It's one last part of Games Master of the Games Master story. It's like a, the perfect epilogue that you'll be responsible for creating. But there's one part of it that I'm a bit nervous about doing for just health reasons. It's quite fun talking about this reward. But not, it's, it's, it's fine what it is. I'm assuming it's reanimating Patrick Moore. I mean, that's just the natural, the natural evolution that I can see of this. It just involves a Ouija board and like a couple of Namigas. The missing oh, interview. Talking, talking about that, there is. I must also mention the, the the voice of Johnny Finch, series producer from Three to Seven. Oh, you're going to mention what I was going to mention. Is it the quote about what Patrick Moore said to him? It's just there, there's, and I'm not going to give it away again. It's in the book, but one of the reasons I love Johnny is that he is um, he's the smartest person I, I've I ever met in my life. That's why I loved working with him. Um, but he has got such a withering delivery that I think you can it comes off the page and. Um, <laughs> Some of the stuff he says about Patrick Moore is like, oh, Johnny, f***ing hell, wait till the man's dead. You know? <laughs> I've got the one that's on the page. I think it's too good. I think I have to read it. It says, uh, I wasn't so enamoured with Patrick, I'm afraid. He would think he was quite an old, kind man in his own way. I remember during filming, he did once say to me, what is an N64? Does it have wheels? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 this, this bit's worse. This bit's worse okay. than Johnny says about his feelings about Patrick. It's, uh... it's something I love in the series is when he's introducing games and like, you know, is it like, yeah, DuckTales. Like if you talk about DuckTales, I say DuckTales. And he goes, the game is DuckTales. It's very specifically <laughs> enunciating each individual word. And he does the same with Duck Hunt, but yeah. I think he does that in part to make yes. sure it doesn't sound like he's saying another word. <laughs> <laughs> to start with, I'd like you to try your hand at DuckTales. If it flies, shoot it. That's the message for the first of this week's challenges on Duck Hunt. Yeah, I think it's interesting because as, as and another thing that comes out in, in the book, as I evaluate my own performance in the show, uh, uh, which is not nearly as good as I thought it was uh, at the time, uh, I do think that Patrick, from the first word, nails it. His delivery, his character, he is absolutely perfect. Flawless. I think he is one of the great unsung comedy characters. Forget video games. One of the great unsung comedy characters of the 90s. You know, he should be up there with loads of money and stuff like that. He really should be. He was brilliant. He was, actually, for a man who had no clue what he was talking about, right. his comic delivery is fearless. Yeah. That was actually one of the things that surprised me on doing this rewatch is how much comedy there is with the Games Master character. Like, you know, there's like stuff with like Auntie Marisha and like they appear to have this sort of relationship. Hello, Games Master. 
I'm having trouble with my soggy flans. I wonder if you can help me firm them. Hello, Morisha. How good of you to pay me a visit. Flans can indeed be difficult. May I suggest that you use more flour, less milk, and cook them at a slightly lower temperature. <laughs> Not that my temperature's ever been low looking at you, Marisha. Oh, you cheeky monkey. Bye-bye, Marisha. <sighs> or like there's one yeah. where like there's a giant chicken there, or like the the, uh, the pigeons keep shooting ah. on him, so he's just like, I need to get a gatling gun and shoot them yeah. down. <laughs> And it's weird because, because I mean, I do have an Auntie Marisha. Auntie Marisha was based on a real character. And so, yeah, the jokes were that this weird old astrologer is shagging your mum's sister. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> you didn't do that on Live and King. <laughs> so this episode is dropping the same day that the Kickstarter starts. It's a 28-day Kickstarter. It's got a goal of £45,000. As soon as I saw this page, the first thing I did after I'd taken a quick scan through it is I tried to click on one of the backing levels. That was my enthusiasm because <laughs> and it's just like, oh, wait, it's a preview page. You yeah. can't actually back it yet. Like my mum can't touch screen on things that aren't touch screen. And I'm sure that the enthusiasm that both Luke and I felt will be equaled and perhaps even surpassed by some of the people out there that hold Games Master in as special a place as we do. I wish you the best of luck with this campaign. I am confident it will succeed and hopefully then some, mm -hmm. because this is a story that it should be told. It needs to be told. I'm so excited to read it, particularly as we're talking November this year, mm -hmm. potentially, you know, hopefully. The book is written. That was the first thing when I saw this Kickstarter and I looked at the delivery dates and I'm like, really? That's quick. I'm used to backing Kickstarters that have two years and <laughs> even then don't make it out on time. We'll put all the details in the show notes. We'll put all the links there. We will put this out on Twitter far and wide. Thank you so much for coming on today, both of you. And to reverse how we started the show, I will first say thank you to Mr. Dominic Diamond for being so gracious with his time and his knowledge and his wit and his repartee. And also thanks to Darren. <laughs> <laughs> The fact you just give it Darren one name, though, that makes him like Pele. I still think that makes him seem great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't win, can I? <laughs> Again, thank you so much to Dominic and to Darren. And Luke, Dominic comes first. <laughs> well, I mean, as I said, I come from a wrestling world. Champ always comes out last. I was I was doing what I thought to be the proper thing. If, you know, if, it's, if it was interviewing a wrestler and I'd have introduced them first, then it kicked up a storm then that I brought the champ out first. I mean, I've got a wrestling background, so I know exactly where you're coming from. But at the same time, Dominic's not a wrestler, so <laughs> we know for future. Oh yeah, we know for future. Dominic gets top billing no matter what. But all that aside, I... I think it comes across how fun that was and also how genuinely enthusiastic we are for this project. Like, to be enthusiastic for something that kind of makes us redundant, it shows how special this project is. And at the point this is dropped, there are 28 days to meet this Kickstarter goal. I don't see a real reason why it shouldn't happen. No. Nope. Because 90s nostalgia is peak. The fact that we are now three seasons in, almost four to a Games Master retrospective podcast 
the latest issue of Retro Gamer that dropped on the day we recorded this has a feature on the 90s in video games, including a section on 90s video game television. So go out there, support it. There's some base level tiers that are great. There's some slightly higher tiers that are even better. I already know which one I'm going to click on. And if you've got some savings that you're looking to splurge, man, some of those top level tiers, there's something a bit special. Isn't there just like, there's some really, really cool stuff in there. I mean, I know which one I'm going to be going for as well. And um, like, I, I, we have seen some of it, you know, we have been sort of privy to some of it. And like the, the one page that we saw was just like, I wanted to read more. Like I really, really just cannot wait to dive into all of this. And we were, when we were chatting before we started recording, Darren was, he wanted to do a screen share so he could show us like the, uh, some sections of the book. But the recording software we were using didn't allow screen share thing. He was like, ah, oh, it's fine. I, I can't show you it then. And I was like, oh no, I, we could have seen more. God damn it. Zencaster, the platform we use, you've added a lot of new features recently. Most of them now work. Get screen sharing in there because we could have seen something really cool. Uh, I also think I know what tier I'm going to back. But at the same time, I'm going, do I need both of my kidneys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is that absolutely I do need both of my kidneys or absolutely you're also wondering if you need one? Yeah, I mean, I I think you can put it into question, Ash. That's all I'm going to say. I I think this is going to be a really cool project. Uh, As I said, the links for it are in the podcast description. Please do go and support this. Tell your friends we're going to be singing about this, you know, from the hilltops on our Twitter feeds and everything like that. So uh, we're really excited for it. We really, really appreciate Darren and Dominic taking time out of their day to speak to us. Like you said at the top of this show, it's like, quite a flattering and almost like quite a humbling thing for them to ask for us to be involved in this in some small way so yeah this has been when we first started doing this podcast i never thought that we'd be doing an episode like this and i'm beyond thrilled uh, that we got to but as you've probably noticed this is released off schedule we will be back next tuesday with your regularly scheduled retrospective podcast and who knows? 2021 still has nine months to go. Maybe we'll get some more breaking news, Luke. <laughs> Anything is possible at this point. Uh, but until then, take care, everyone. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.